Welcome to season two of the Nerd Review, the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to season two, episode eight, the Nerd Review of the Big Bad Beetleborgs. This is my absolute most cherished cherished childhood TV show of all times. It's cringeworthy, low-budget masterpiece that is basically a ripoff of Power Rangers, and it stole my young heart. Now, Big Bad Beetleborgs, or just Beetleborgs for short, is actually made by Saban, the same people behind Power Rangers. So it's less of a ripoff and more like the super weird younger cousin of Power Rangers, and in more ways than one. So we're going to get into that in a bit later in the episode, but let's jump into all things Beetleborgs. That was the Beetleborgs intro theme. That was the, this is going to be an amazing episode. This is just, we're going to kickstart it right here. Uh, so both, t- uh, so now let's just do like a quick history download to understand the lay of the land. Uh, because Beetleborgs is a really interesting property and it's one of my favorite. It's so close to my heart. Uh, I grew up watching this. I, I'm a huge Power Ranger fans, but before uh, Power Rangers, so like four foremost and always or however that is said i will always be a power ranger fan uh <laughs> power ranger fan, a beetleborg fan uh first and foremost that's what that's that's the saying first and foremost i will always be a Beetleborgs fan. Uh, as much as I love Power Rangers, Beetleborgs for me came first, uh, in my mind at least. <laughs> That's how what I was introduced to first. And so both of these series are actually uh, tokusatsu series, uh, which is an extremely popular genre of live action entertainment in Japan that uses a lot of practical effects. The word tokusatsu actually translates to special effects. Uh, now, while it's an immensely popular genre in uh, in Japan, only a fraction of these series have made it big internationally. Franchises like Godzilla uh, began as tokusatsu movies all of these years ago when Godzilla was simply uh, an actor in a costume tearing down a prop city. Back on the small screen, most of the popular, uh, by far, the most popular by far, (laughs) see I'm getting a little mush mouth already in this episode, Uh, it happens fast. Now, uh, the most popular by far was uh, the Super Sente series. which may not sound familiar however it was the original tokusatsu series which the footage was used to create power rangers the idea was they would use the action sequences from these super popular series uh, with all the amazing martial arts and colorful suits and crazy alien hijinks and all that was left was to film the the scenes where the characters aren't in their power suits and they would cast uh, young american actors so they that was that was the a culmination they have a bunch of wacky tokusatsu action sequences combined with a cast of attractive american teenagers with attitude and bam uh, a super sente sensation was born 
only now for American and international audiences, it was Mighty Morphing Power Rangers. And this was an extremely successful premise for Saban and Power Rangers, which is still going strong after 25 years. In fact, it was so successful that a score of copycats would begin popping up, though never quite able to achieve the success of Power Rangers. Uh, and funnily enough, the main competition to Saban's Power Rangers was, well, Saban, <laughs> almost constant attempts to replicate its own success. Um, series like Mask Rider from 1995 to 1996, based on other, another character from the Super Sentai series. Uh, Saban adapted a run of episodes from uh, 1988 and ran on uh, Fox Kids. Uh, one of the most impressive feats of Saban's attempts to rip themselves off, uh, in my opinion, is probably VR Troopers, which ran from 94 to 96. Now, it's no more visually impressive, nor is the production value different however with no additional tokusatsu series running in continuity to pull from at the time uh vr troopers the adaptation vr troopers uh is, an is actually an adaptation of three already canceled tokusatsu series combining uh the elements of uh, meddler, med meddler, uh, metal ladder. I don't know how to pronounce that one. Spellbian and uh, shader, sh shandier, uh, into one super wacky to uh, tokusatsu adaptation series. Um, and now it wasn't until 1996, after uh, the one year of the Masked Raider Rider uh, adaptation, that the magic formula uh, would actually hit the mark once again. And we, the audiences, are finally given Big Bad Beetleborgs, uh, Saban's Big Bad Beetleborgs. Now, the the, the theme song alone uh, was on par with uh, Power Rangers. I, I, I'll, I'll throw down the gauntlet on that. Uh, combined with this more like sitcom approach and the emphasis on comedy, the uh, the Beetleborgs would be an instant hit. Especially like I, I'm talking from like what what I experienced and. From from what everybody has written about this now cult classic, just like amazing series. Um, now, unfortunately for myself and Beetleborg fans alike, the magic would only last for two seasons um, because Saban kept running out of Tokusatsu series to attack, uh, to it to adapt, to attack, to adapt uh, through no fault of fans or the production or the production company or the actors. Uh, the series was actually immensely popular and primed to uh, take second step behind Power Rangers if uh, if they had more of a following back in their in their home demographic of Japan where the Tokusatsu series were being uh, developed <clears throat> now uh, so while Super Sente was well I mean well super popular and would continue to get refreshed suits and new seasons which is where the adaptations in the new series of Power Rangers comes in uh, because this is how the tokusatsu series function in Japan they would get um, you know like I said redesigned suits and just think like every different variation of Power Rangers you've seen and then the how Saban would take this is they would interpret it into new series so every couple years you get you know Mighty Morphing Power Rangers to 
turns into Space Patrol Delta, turns into uh, Power Rangers Turbo, for example. Now, uh, other tokusatsu series would pop up for only a season or two before vanishing into the void. And like I said, ultimately, this was the fate for this series that was being used to adapt Beetleborgs. Now, that series was called Juko B Fighter, which uh, focused on a trio of young adults who were part of a secret superhero organization and use robotic armor to fight wacky alien bad guys, which is very similar to many tokusatsu series. Uh, and unfortunately, like many tokusatsu series, B-Fighter would get canceled after only one season. Um, now, the tokusatsu series were the god series were on our side. Uh, Joku B-Fighter was followed up by B-Fighter Kabuto. They utilized similar designs, and the stories followed loose what had happened in the original Juko B fighter uh, the, the new series featured different color armor and weapons and a new thematic set of foes for the heroes to face off against um, thus Saban had to rebrand season 2 of Beetleborgs Beetleborgs Metallic Three typical average kids love to read their comic strips Got their wish and they became the Big Bad Beetleborgs Beetleborgs Big Bad Beetleborgs Big Bad Beetleborgs Then new villains came along and blew away their powers yeah. Beetleborgs were in a fix and now have gone metallic All right, so that was the amazing season two intro for Beetleborg's Metallic metallics when they were rebranded uh so now that we've got a, a good understanding of tokusatsu's uh series and how saban adapted adapted these local japanese series uh into international sensations uh let's uh, jump into all the amazing stylized action of beetleborgs the uh the original intro it really sums up the premise of the series which uh is actually seen a lot in these kids shows the production where the audience needs to understand what the stakes are the minute the episode starts uh, any for that matter any episode even out of continuity will make sense and this isn't something that just saban or tokusatsu series do um i mean in fact the original theme for the 1980s tmnt the composer was given uh, characters and some ideas and he had to, he had they had to make a theme song that was compelling job well done and explain the premise in about a minute and 30 seconds which is an impressive feat for for sure and sawbad managed to do that in only two verses so let's start with the intro as it really ushers us into the premise and i have this entire song committed to memory it lives rent free in my mind and it starts three typical average kids inside a haunted mansion just by chance free to ghosts who made them beetleborgs beetleborgs <laughs> and uh, i i that i sing that with no shame like i said rent free in my noggin uh since i was like five so like almost 25 years now um and 
And uh, this line is pretty easy to follow. The three main characters, Drew, he's the leader, um, his little sister, Joe, and their friend, Roland, they're exploring the local haunted house, Hillhurst. And uh, funnily enough, they're actually, they're dared to go there from the town bullies. They're these two rich kids um, who are like proudly members of the chess club. And in my recollection of like history, the 90s, 2000s, I'm pretty sure they would have been considered like nerds not bullies but i mean i mean i guess everybody has like a hierarchy and they're trying to like show that like the main characters are like lower than like nerd bullies it was very funny i find that i find that comical that was that was a funny little thing i realized uh so these two these two trip and van these two chess club nerd bullies um they are uh like they're not chess they're not bullying the chess club they're part of the chess club and one of them is like bragging about becoming the president of the chess club and and they also try to bully the other main character like the, the main characters they're the the side characters um i'm going on a tangent here about trip and van uh but they actually they start this whole thing they dare them to go to this haunted hell haunted hell house now haunted hillhurst house um and spend the night to prove who's you know like who, who's the most brave um and now i want to point out the house that they go and use uh the interior the set of which i am one i'm 99.9 certain they reuse this this set for casper meets wendy which is also a, a saban production so like it's plausible um but like it's identical it's the same layout the same wallpaper the stairs are in the same place the bookcases everything and i googled this it was one of those things where it's like it's too specific to google it properly um so unless anybody can um unless anybody can refute uh refute uh <laughs> refruit if anyone can refute it i'm gonna believe this 99 like 99.9 percent .9 i'm gonna believe this in my heart of hearts that it's the same set unless you can prove me wrong that other 0.1 percent i'll admit it i'll eat the humble pie but i believe this uh until somebody refruits it <laughs> so let's, uh, let's continue um now so like i said while they're like, like it's set up they while exploring this house they accidentally freed a ghost and how that comes about is that joe she's backing up she's frightened she's the youngest here um and she backs into a piano and her hand they land on a series of keys um that just so happened to free a ghost a phantasm uh, and that phantasm is flabber played by billy forrester who is absolutely amazing on screen and he actually recorded that amazing intro with saban and the season composer jeremy sweet uh sweet also he did the hit song uh rock the dragon the for the english adaptation of dragon ball z which is just an amazing intro song um, now, I want to talk everything Flabber for a minute while we're here, take a tangent, because he's part of, he's a linchpin of the series, and he's the on-screen combination of the genie from Aladdin, dressed like Elvis on a Prince tour, just like so much purple, with the face of Jay Leno, which I, I mean, I know it sounds super strange, but I'm seriously, like, check out the photos, just Google Beetleborgs, B-O-R-G-S, Flabber, the two Bs, E-R, um, and you'll understand what I mean. Uh, and now, the character was an absolute hoot on screen. He had more costumes than Mr. Dress Up, and enough puns and cringeworthy dad 
jokes to fill a dictionary. Uh, and he was basically the Zordon of Beetleborgs, uh, complete with blue face and everything, except that uh, Flabber didn't need a special lava lamp to stay alive out of Zordon. So uh, take that, Power Rangers, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, and I'm, I'm going to bring the wrath of the Power Rangers fandom down on me, so uh, I'm going to back off. I was kidding, Zordon rocks. Um, now, uh, for audience members who aren't familiar with Power Rangers, uh, Zordon and Flabber, aside from bestowing power upon the main characters, they serve as mentors and guides for these young heroes. Uh, in Flabber's case, he also keeps the inhabitants of Hillhurst in line. And this is how the Haunted Mansion gets its haunted title, uh, not only for the Phantasm Flabber, because obviously he's been trapped in a piano up until this point, uh, but there's a whole gang of lovable goofy ghouls uh, that are all pretty funny takes on the original movie monsters from public domain. And, and so anybody who listened to last week's uh, episode about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey knows what this means. Uh, we get slightly different version of those OG monsters. So uh, there's Count Fangula, who's you know the Dracula character. Uh, Wolfgang, or Wolfie. Wolf, uh, he's the werewolf, obviously. Uh, Mums, who's a mummy. And my personal favorite, Frankenbeans, instead of uh, Frankenstein, which is uh, pretty funny. And I, I like the these renditions, too. They're pretty well-designed. Uh, and there, there's some really good practical costumes designed here for these characters. Uh, eventually in season two, they're joined by another monster that is essentially a Jawa from Star Wars. And how they didn't get sued into oblivion is anyone's guess. Um, I guess it's like they're a subsidiary of, well, no, they're not a subsidiary of Fox. They were like on Fox Kids, but Saban wasn't like owned by Fox or anything. So uh, that's anybody's guess. Uh, now, the, the goofy ghouls are always coming up with plots to capture and eat the Beetleborg and they run around Hillhurst in this classic Scooby-Doo uh, style chases complete with like not so secret bookcase passages and uh, now for me personally the Goofy Ghouls were not my favorite part of the series uh, their comedy was solid and they had some great puns they were a bit too wacky and goofy for my liking and I always preferred the monster ghoulie light episodes that focused more on the episode enemy of the week with lots of cool action sequences. That was just my preferences, which still gave me a lot of episodes to love. And when I say the show only got two seasons, they managed to produce 88 episodes of TV. 53 episodes in the first season and another 35 episodes of Beetleborg's Metallics. Uh, now, if we move along to the second line or verse of the song, because it's actually only two sentences that set up the entire show. Uh, so the second line goes, Hey, look, now they're superheroes armed with superpowers who taken from the comic strip and now they're Beetleborgs. Beetleborgs! <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can, I can sing that song all day. Uh, now, after they're freed uh, Flabber, so after they freed Flabber from the pipe organ uh, that he was trapped in, like I said, they never really give a uh, reason on that. Not the, not the one that I remember. Maybe they revisited that at some point. Um, but Flabber is so thankful, he grants them all one wish, a group wish. So he's not as good as the genie from Aladdin, because you all get one wish instead of like, I mean, you're 
granting wishes. Why doesn't everybody get one wish each? But it's one group wish. Now, the group trio here, they think that this is all a dream. They agree that it would be awesome uh, in this shared dream that uh, to be Beetleborgs from their favorite comic book. And uh, Flabber does his hocus pocus and bam, they're Beetleborgs but they're stuck on the pages of the comic book. And this isn't what they wanted, but uh, they want to be Beetleborgs in the real world. So directly from the pages of the comics, the images of the Beetleborgs lift up and fly across the room and bam, they all become three-dimensional. And I always loved the animation of it going from like this drawn look and then it like fades out and it's like the actual characters uh, standing in this like armor that they've crafted, which always had really cool production value uh, and in my mind and one of the factors that I always thought was cooler than Power Rangers uh, the Power Rangers they always wearing these like leotard outfits and I understand like it's supposed to be some sort of like power armor but it never looked like armor like after the helmet like the helmet is cool and it looks like armor but the suits never really looked very armor to me and then the Beetleborgs like they're just wearing legit armor like you see like there's like a chess piece and it has like metal like decaling on it and it and it's it's big like it looked it looked empowering and it looked like power armor uh, which was just really cool so now he's made them all Beetleborgs in real life and it's not a dream and as most pop culture handles wishes, the age-old adage, be careful what you wish for. The newly minted Beetleborgs are in for a rude reality check. Because the magic that Flabber uses to make them superheroes from the comic book opens up this dimensional portal. Portal. <laughs> this dimensional portal that allows the comic book villains to escape. Uh, known as the Magnivores, uh, a group of otherworldly foes. Uh, they're led by Vexor, uh, who always looks pretty cool on screen, and he's some sort of like techno wizard scientist. Um, he's pretty badass. Now, other than the leader, uh, Vexor, the Magnivores are made up by a trio of henchmen types, kind of like a symmetry that Vexor has his three Magnivores, and the Beetleborgs have Flabber and both Vexor and Flabber. Uh, can perform magic and assist their teams from behind the battlefields. Interesting similarities. <laughs> Very interesting similarities. So where Drew, Joe, and Roland are turned into the Blue Stinger Borg, the Green Hunter Borg, and the Red Striker Borg, respectively. So Drew is blue, Joe is red, Roland is green. Uh, the Magnivores are made up of Typhus, a chimera-like humanoid monster. Uh, if you're not familiar with chimeras, it's a, Greek, uh, it's a creature from Greek mythology, uh, and it's usually depicted as a lion with the head of a goat protruding from its back and a tail that might end with a snake's head. Now, Typhus is just made of different monster parts in Beetleborgs, and he's kind of like the muscle of the group he's always making stupid comments and he doesn't understand Vexor's plans uh, my favorite of the Magnivores is Noxix he's an android that has these like electric coils for hair and he wears this old lab coat and for some reason I thought this guy was so cool he was like just the coolest of the bad guys 
um, except for Shadowborg, but we'll, we'll get to Shadowborg. He had the ability to control machinery and other objects by removing his head and attaching it to them, a feat he does in multiple episodes, though it never really goes the way he wants it to, which is usually the case with uh, evil henchmen. Uh, funnily enough, like my favorite character from But Ugly Martians from the Teletoon special, uh, my favorite character would, uh, he's again like my favorite character from the evil ones, he would prefer to eat donuts all day instead of doing that bidding. Uh, lastly, there's Jara, who's just a woman in a costume taken out of the comic book. Uh, though the the wiki the wiki page the wiki page the wiki page uh, for her lists her as a human a female humanoid. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's just what he could have just written woman. Um, so uh, something I never realized uh, while watching the show, though, interesting uh, factoid about uh, Jara is the show's kind of messed up uh, when like despite being like a kid's show and stuff. Uh, she was made in the comic book and taken out and made real. Her face is just like this weird porcelain doll mask. It's really creepy. Uh, in some regards, and it doesn't have a mouth. So, like, she could speak in the comic book and do all those things, but it's a comic book. She doesn't need to eat, but in the real world, she can't eat, and she can't smile either, which is really messed up. And she even acknowledges this at times when she points out that she has no mouth, presumably, like, while Noxic and Typhus are just, like, stuffing their mouth's face full of donuts, and she's like, I have no mouth. And being teamed up with two bumbling bozos must not have been the best gig. Uh, combined, they were one of the funniest ragtag group of foes ever, um, which is which is one of the things that I just loved about the series. Um, now, the Beetleborgs also had um, special abilities. So Drew uh, became uh, telekinetic. He could move things with his mind. Joe became super strong. She would, like, crack her knuckles. It was like, really cool, like, you know, like, where you bend your fingers outward in a dramatic, like, knuckle-cracking fashion. And then she she could like lift objects or like poorly <laughs> poorly constructed props that were made to look like they were made out of metal but it was really just cardboard uh and roland became super fast and these so they were able to use these abilities when they weren't in their beetleborg armor to you know escape when the bad guys showed up or distract them so that they could then go turn into beetleborgs um again like they said interesting similarities uh now eventually through the course of the series uh the beetleborgs they have to to track down um they have these different artists uh, that they introduce which is really cool and I, I like the idea so uh flabber he created the beetleborgs from the comic books and through the course of the show they introduce the character art fortune and he's the character that creates the beetleborgs and they ask him for like new weapons and new armors and then flabber can like create those magically and he he gives them the heroes and stuff and they introduce like all this really cool stuff stuff uh and uh, eventually they they take this one further and like <clears throat> uh, as the process goes from the original beetleborgs to beetleborgs metallica uh they introduce art's evil brother less fortunes which i find funny less fortune uh which is you know funny play on words and now art as how art helps the beetleborgs uh, but the Magnivores, uh, they steal work from Art and they find out like what he was doing because like I said, like how Flabber helps them by taking stuff from the comics and from the art. Now with the knowledge of who's the artist and what they've been doing, uh, Vexor has the same powers, right? And he's able to do the same thing. And when they steal some of this artwork, uh, they look at it and they find out that it was drawn by Les, not Art, and that there's this other 
artist who can draw uh, these characters and that he's like out there in the world. And they find, they go out to find, uh, you know, less fortunes and he's drawing all these more like evil demented characters and he's in jail uh they never really expand on why he's in jail but like he's depicted as being a bit like crazy and you know he's always like you know going through like little spasms and stuff and he draws uh nucus which vexor brings to life and nucus is actually the first of the crustaceans the new thematic bad guys that we get for season two because of the rebranding uh they're named crustaceans because they're thematic looked like crustaceans uh and this like i said keep in mind this shift occurs because the tokusatsu series changed and saban has to incorporate all these new themes and elements into the existing beetleborgs uh series which is really interesting and i like how they have to like adapt on the fly now as soon as vexor brings nucus off the page uh he quickly plots to like get rid of the magnivores and he uses the beetleborgs to do so in this like really interesting story arc uh and like this is a kids show i mean it has 88 episodes and there's some like really interesting story arcs so he creates this other bad guy called borg slayer and he uses the magnivore's energy to do this and he doesn't like tell them that and he sets them up to win like he set the borg slayer up to lose and because he used their energy to do so when the beetleborgs defeat the borg slayer the magnivores get sucked back into the comics as well leaving nucus to be set up as the new big bad guy for season two which is like that's a really cool like story arc and it's like four or five episodes together it's it was a really good uh story and they, they would take those four or five episodes and then comprise them into a vhs tape and you'd have like a direct to vhs movie of those those episodes with all the commercials taken out and i, I definitely had that now during this arc of season two uh nucus raids the uh, hillhurst he shows up all powerful and stuff and he finds more pages drawn by less uh including one of himself and that's when he has this like real realization that he was created on a page and he could also like make you know more you know villains to you know fill out his team of the crustaceans so he finally sets out to find less and free him from prison uh and he wants him to draw like like i said new candidates and and and, and imbue himself with powers like the way that the beetleborgs have been doing so he gives himself the same powers as vexor had uh, and he has some new fiery ones. Uh, so he has less draw him some new uh, lieutenants, if you will. Uh, Horabella, who's like designed after a flower, uh, Vylor, and Dregs. And these are like the new villains that fill out his team. Uh, so in order to defeat uh, Nucus and to stop him from bringing more evil henchmen out, the Beetleborgs turn to art and they ask him to design new suits and more powerful Beetleborg armor, bringing us finally to the new incarnations of Beetleborg Metallica. And instead of uh, blue, green, and red, uh, Drew becomes gold, Roland becomes silver, and Joe becomes purple. And also at the same time, they use some sort of like weird episode where like Flabber tries to cast um like one of the new spells on them and she ends up like messing up and changing joe's face and they use that as like like they they kind of like use that and it, it actually but they just like they recast the, the 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 actress who's playing joe and and she's just like oh what my face changed okay and i'm like wow you really just like how are you going to explain that to your parents like hi mom and dad i'm joe and they're like oh my god who is this like they didn't they 
just they gloss over that like that would have been would have been seriously messed up and 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 then like and and then her older brother drew like he knew he knows that it's it's joe because he was there when it happens so like he'd, he'd be like no mom and dad what are you talking about this is joe like it's it's joe this is what she's always looked like and then then they both end up in an insane asylum because their parents are like who is this imposter and it, um, that got macabre and, and dark very fast. Let's let's get back to uh, the fun that is Beetleborgs. Um, so they need new armor, and they actually get some new powers, too. They have the ability to shrink down and turn into beetles, kind of uh, working up the whole Beetleborgs uh, adaptation idea. And uh, so, like I said, they got their new armor and stuff. Uh, and they also, like I said, they get the new ghoul uh, in the house, the Jawa-like creature. Um, they, they also had more um, monster episodes episodes and weak antics like every week there was more monster antics than they introduced the more ghoul and had entire like weekly episodes that just focused on the ghouls um like i said either not earlier not my favorite episodes um but if we're gonna talk about favorite episodes my favorite episodes are um really the shadowborg arc this is before nucus um and the, the the magnivores are still around actually uh and they managed to steal a piece of Beetleborg armor. It's a piece of Drew um, from his from his shoulder. And they use this, Vexor uses this to create his own evil Beetleborg, uh, Shadowborg, which is interesting because he's not a, a villain from the comic book. So it's something that the Beetleborgs haven't faced off against. And Shadowborg was really awesome. He has uh, the ability to steal the Beetleborg's powers. He can consume their energy, uh, which is what first prompts the, the group actually to go find Art Fortunes. And that's where they introduce him into the series during the Shadowborg arc. Uh, they need him to restore their original powers uh, and Flabber comes up with the idea uh, to create a new Beetleborg actually as Shadowborg was designed specifically to face off against the original trio a new Beetleborg would have a leg up and this is where they actually designed a new Beetleborg for this like Shadowborg arc uh, the white blaster Beetleborg whose power is imbued to uh, the new kid in town, Josh, much to the chagrin of Drew, uh, who thinks Josh is a pretty face uh, boy out to snake his gal, Heather, which is pretty funny. Uh, these four episodes, and like I said, the four episodes around the rise of Nucus comprise my my top favorite eight episodes, if you will, uh, which is largely influenced by the VHS movie specials. Like I said, they combined uh, each four episode arcs into their own feature-length movie perfect for re-watching over and over again which is exactly what i did um now if i had to pick shadowborg was always cooler than nucus um as by far um the cooler bad guy uh on an evil borg is cooler than the weird flame flower dude with a big cow cape thing uh he kind of looked like flame swordsman from Yu-Gi-Oh. that's like the best analogy i can think of for those not familiar with what nucus looks like um shadowborg was sleeping all black and his armor was really badass he had this like darth vader voice changer effect going on and it made him seem like way more evil sounding uh there i mean there are so many fond memories i have about beetleborgs i remember the day i figured out um i couldn't pause his tv like a movie which in hindsight is hilarious because today you can pretty much pause any live event and come back and later to view it but in 1999 this wasn't possible and i was probably like five or six years old and i was 
watching TV and I, I was, I, it was probably Beetleborgs. I presume it was Beetleborgs. And I think my friend came over or, you know, I wanted to play with action figures or something. And I distinctly remember, um, this is one of my early memories probably of like pausing the TV and like, I just turned it off and thinking I would come back and finish my episode. And my pint sized self was about to learn the hard way. This was not the case. I remember coming back and be like, Hey, where's my show? And looking through the channels, trying to find the second half of that episode. Uh, and that's probably one of like my earliest memories up there with watching Twister with my mom and and when I saw The Sixth Sense for the first time and I assured everyone I was old enough and mature enough to watch this scary movie and that goddamn scene with the kid who's like I know where my mom keeps her gun and then he turns around his fucking head is blown open I jumped, I scream, I swore and I took off and this like completely like just, it, it sealed in um, like, cause I was the first time I, I dropped an F bomb and when I, when I jumped and and ran bailing right after it totally sealed in the comedic effect. And so I didn't even get in trouble for the cussing, which was, which was really funny. Um, and so like, I just have so many good memories around, like just watching all my old favorite VHS tapes and different movies and, you know, just sitting around the, the living room and the entertainment setup. And when, you know, back in the nineties and everybody didn't have a TV in the room and you didn't have an unlimited abundance of devices that you could watch your entertainment on. So everybody gathered around the living room and you gathered to, you know, watch movies together and stuff. And it was, it was really enjoyable. Um, and, and like, I have so many other fond memories of Beetleborgs specifically. I had all the action figures too. The Blue Stinger Borg, the Green Hunter Borg, the Red Stinger Borg. I don't remember what their metallic names were, like Goldberg, <laughs> Goldberg, <laughs> Gold and Silverberg, uh, Purpleberg. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, so I had, I had, I had all the Borgs. I had Flabber. I had Shadowborg. And I played with them all so much and their arms and legs would pop off and they'd get stepped on. And um, I mean, actually, one of the only collectibles I, I actually bought from eBay uh, from that cart of 90s collectibles that I keep mentioning was the Beetleborg memorabilia. I got um, the Curse of the Shadowborg VHS in the uh, blister package, the blister case with the, like that big puffy uh, plastic casing uh, and by far the most prized collectible of all that I have in my collection is the super iconic uh, sonic laser gun in the original packaging I bought the I bought that off eBay I have it in my display I bought it right after I finished my computer program at school and I got hired in IT it was a gift to myself and all that hard work paying off and you can actually see the sonic laser gun in the original nerd review logo in the background um it's the photo uh in my nerd it's which is it's a photo of my nerd corner actually it was the idea when I started the the the, the podcast was like I'll I'll put my nerd credentials on display and show everybody my collection of nerd memorabilia books and movies and if anybody you know wants to zoom in and look at it you can see all the movies and if you zoom into the top left corner you'll actually see the sonic laser gun in that original background uh it's on the top of the bookcase and in on in honesty it's like the jewel of my collection uh when it arrived i popped in some batteries just so i could hear the sound effects and like hold it in my hand and it was absolutely worth every penny I spent on it, um, which I will not divulge the amount to anybody who asks me because I don't want to tell you. Uh, and damn it, now now I want to go to that tantalizing eBay cart and purchase 
I want to purchase all those Beetleborg action figures. I've been eyeing those figures for so many years. One one of these days, I'm going to hit the buy button on all and then just every single one of those items again. Hopefully, Saban will release like a collector's edition or some legacy line of action figures to honor their old cult classic series. Because I would I would be so on that so fast. Uh, and and actually, speaking of collectibles and VHS tapes, before I sat down to record today's episode, um, it's actually like a, a beautiful Saturday currently, uh, one of the first super nice weekends of spring, and I decided to take a me day, uh, which is something that uh, my partner introduced me to, uh, just taking a day to focus on ourselves and do what we want to do, uh, and that's what I did today. Now, um, she actually works on Saturdays. She works at a salon, uh, so Saturdays is my opportunity to for me to take a real me day um and wow just like what a fantastic day today has been um if i could gush a bit here for a moment i decided after you know i dropped her off at work and then i decided to take my bike out it's early in the season it's the second weekend of april right now and you know if i get it out now i can have it out my bike out until the end of uh, like october which is fantastic uh and it's one of my favorite things to do so i went for a bike ride and then we live in a little small town on the edge of the island so i like to walk down to the water and there's a local thrift shop and and a used bookstore, or as I like to call it, like nerd heaven. Um, and I stopped there. And first, I actually went to this local little fast food joint. I got myself some pogos and fries, which was like delicious. Uh, I sat outside at one of their little tables, and it was like picture perfect. It was a beautiful day. The food was delicious. It was fresh, hot. It cost $10 for two pogos, this huge amount of fries, and a can of Coke. And Okay, I'm like, I'm gushing about my food. So like where it comes back to the nerd part and this long tangent, it does wrap around back to collectibles, I swear. Um, so I, while I was sitting there, I noticed there was this gate that was open. It's normally closed off and it's a little shopping area that and this gate is normally there and it's closed off and the signs, op- it's open and the gate's open and I look down and there's an uh, like a the thrift shop and there's some sort of little annex shop for the thrift. And we've only lived in this town since June and I've never seen this open. So I ventured down and oh my god it was i'm so glad i did in this tiny little shop on this small shelf where no one was looking this is very modest display of vhs tapes that was hiding in like absolutely amazing finds the mother load of vhs thrifts i found spy kids one and two in their blister packs indiana jones and the temple of doom jurassic park the lost world which i really enjoy and drumroll drumroll the piece de resistance a sealed copy of independence day with the holographic box art and the second piece de nerd culture another sealed vhs copy of daredevil the one with ben affleck and jennifer uh, jennifer gardner uh the, the the best worst superhero movie ever made um and this was just the start of my mind being blowing so all all six of those vhs tapes cost me a dollar fifty absolutely amazing so next i was heading over to that used bookstore and see this is where uh, there's any like sci-fi or fantasy novels worth picking up i always check and each regular novel on the shelves costs one dollar okay so i I walk in i go right to the back my favorite shelf sci-fi and fantasy of course and right at eye level the an original artwork printing of freaking red wall like i did an episode on it back in season one it was one of my favorite fantasy books there's a tv show adaptation netflix 
owns the rights right now. They just bought there's the the book series has like 22 novels in it, and Netflix bought all of them. They're working on adaptations, and I just found like an original copy. I w- I'm literally screaming in my head at this point, having a nerd attack. I don't know what to call it. I was just it was amazing i have this stack of vhs tape and now literally one of my favorite books of all time with the amazing fantasy art cover from the 80s for all for a dollar i i picked up some classic isaac asimov titles uh again with that amazing old school fantasy art with it's all very future uh retro futuristic that's the genre of art uh, that people have dubbed it uh, i picked up intergalactic empires and robot city uh, and i got uh, two c.s lewis novels uh, the hideous strength and out of the silent planet altogether that cost me another five dollars like i was dancing on cloud nine i was just i was one half nerd and now i have a bunch of vhs tapes to watch and even more books to read like just what what an amazing day so okay and now like let, let's get back to beetleborgs um what i was talking about beetleborgs collectibles vhs tapes um sonic laser guns action figures the works uh the one thing the one thing that saban never produced and that i never had and that i wish i to this day i wish they have i still hold out hope that one day they will publish Beetleborg comic books. Uh, after Saban was ha- uh, purchased by Hasbro a couple years ago, they partnered with Boom Comics, and they actually started a Power Rangers comic book series that has been like immensely popular and spun off other Power Ranger titles. Um, so this makes me hold out hope that they will want to venture out onto like more IPs into this new medium of comic books. And the entire Beetleborg series was based on the premise that the Beetleborgs were comic book heroes and they had all these beetleborg comic props in every episode and the props always look really nice and they always had like a few pages inside where that were drawn or had a monster with a few panels and this would be incorporated into that episode the monster of the week that vexor and the magnivores would steal the new comics or the old comics to summon the monsters out of and then they use them to attack the city and steal stuff you know if they had like a bigger plan or something uh and and to this day it still irks me that they never bothered to produce pursue produce uh pursue or produce this merchandise avenue that is a mouthful uh i would buy every single issue of beetleborgs um every few years i still google uh beetleborg comics just on the off chance that something new is in the works with this property uh but alas there has been nothing new or beetleborg related uh since the end of season two when beetleborgs went off the air leaving uh, a beetle themed trio hole in my heart that i have filled with so many more campy series uh lots of with lots of which were other power ranger series that would come out over the years like i mentioned power rangers turbo or space patrol delta or any of the amazing uh series that Saban has managed to put together over the last two uh pushing three decades now it was like 25 years uh anniversary just came up a few years ago and we're we're chugging along to 30 years of power rangers now which is absolutely amazing um i am super excited for the anniversary of uh, i think it actually is the 30th anniversary like like two years from now because there's the netflix movie coming out the uh, power rangers once and once and always which has the original power rangers coming back uh to, to to do a movie special uh which i'm like super excited for uh and if they can uh take any of that attention and praise and put that towards 
Beetleborgs, I would be even more happy and I would love to see that. That would be that would be something that would be amazing. But uh we got we got 88 episodes of Beetleborgs and amazing action sequences and lots of yeah and uh onomatopoeia on screen and monster ghoul hijinks and there was a really good action figure uh, run there was even mcdonald's toy tie-ins that you know really shows the popularity of this series even though it was so short-lived uh unfortunately but uh it was really popular and people really did like it um so i i, I hope to collect all of those items and recapture that part of my childhood one day and i'll continue to go to thrift stores and thrift shops and use bookstores and flea markets and hopefully i can get it on the cheap um but eventually uh, in the hopefully the near future i will be clicking on some of those uh buy now options on that ebay cart uh because that would be that would be really amazing and that would make me one happy nerd again uh so that is where this is where i'm going to end today's episode this has been the beetleborg special we've talked about beetleborgs tokusatsu series and how saban adapted those uh amazing iconic japanese series into some of the most amazing uh kids shows and you know they're still uh immensely enjoyed by adults today which is why why they created those comic book series and spinoffs and we're gonna get a new uh power rangers movie soon too so like i said i just i hope we can get something going with beetleborgs maybe if we talk about it enough uh but that's where i'm gonna end today's episode uh we've talked about all the things beetleborgs and all the important things this is one of my favorite shows is uh i have so many fond memories of it i cherish those memories i cherish beetleborgs i'll continue to watch it and i hope other people might watch it it is super campy i will warn you uh uh, but check out an episode or two. You can find them on YouTube. It used to be on Netflix, but it's not on Netflix anymore. But if you uh, if you just go to YouTube and type in Beetleborg episode, you can find like an entire playlist. Uh, you can watch the intros. You could uh, check out an episode or two. Uh, if you like Power Rangers, you might enjoy uh, the Beetleborgs. Like I said, they're very similar. Uh, but without further ado, that is the end of today's episode. That is, has been season two, episode eight of the Big Bad Beetleborgs. Uh, this is the nerd signing off. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Have a great one.